What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek, your two favorite youth pastors, talking every single week how not to be youth pastors. Sponsored this week by our great friends of the show, Hero. Uh, just kidding. It's not Hero. Uh, that's the brand of it. It's a GoPro. Yes, sir. Uh, one of a youth pastor's best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have this uh, waterproof case for this specific. It's the he- it's the GoPro Hero Three, and uh, I almost want to take the SD card out and like live on air look at what's in it because I have no clue. That, that's a little terrifying. I, I see that you have another GoPro over there. Is that the Hero? Five or six or what's that little guy right there? Uh, this one is not display. Oh, it's the Hero Session. Wow, it's a square one versus the other a one. Hero Session. Where where does that square. fall into the numerical sequence? <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six. No session. <laughs> Eight, not a nine, clue. <laughs> uh, it looks like this particular GoPro. Has on it. Oh, uh, back in uh, what was it? Twenty twenty one. My wife and I went to. We went on vacation to Hawaii, and uh, we went snorkeling. And so I brought this GoPro, and we got footage video of, of you of shirtless. Like no thanks. I'm not gonna. I'm yeah, not gonna look sense. at that. Uh, I feel like that was uncalled for and kind of mean. I'm sorry. I, Jeez. I, I, I feel like it just, it's a long time coming. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but, good but yeah, anyways, so good. GoPro, great friends of the show. Thank you, GoPro, for your, uh, your incredible sponsorship to this podcast. You truly make this thing go around and we could not do it without you. I feel like we should disclaimer that not only is GoPro not actually a sponsor, uh, we don't even use a GoPro to film <laughs> our podcast. The extent of uh, their involvement on in our podcast is they just happen to be laying on your Every desk as we're recording week, this. They are laying there, yeah, and uh, we do absolutely nothing with them. Uh, okay, so we we mentioned uh, if you listen to our last episode, we mentioned that this episode was going to be one of the most fun ones we've ever done, and possibly heretical, and possibly heretical. Uh, and we also, I mean, if you've gotten this far into listening, you probably looked at the title of the episode uh, and you're wondering, my goodness, what are these two up to? Yeah. And so before we dive into that, we have a related quick question that that I want to pose to you, Derek. Uh, I know every (laughs) once in a while, our quick questions actually have something to do with the episode itself. Uh, Marvel movies. Yeah. What uh so I have a couple questions on Marvel in general but we'll just start with uh favorite Marvel movie. I'm going to go on a limb here and say I can't do Endgame cuz I mean that's that's like saying what's your favorite football game of the year? The Super Bowl? Like that just that's not it's not fair. So I'm going to say here this this, this might be a hot take, maybe not, I don't know, but I'm a huge fan of the original Iron Man. Mhm. Like the the pilot Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr., he's in the desert, he builds the suit, comes yep. back home, re, re, like refashions it. That is such a great movie in so many different ways. So if I had to pick one outside of Avengers Endgame, I would definitely go, I would definitely go with Iron Man. 
Uh, okay, so first of all, there are 33, according to the internet, 33 Marvel movies. That's it. Uh, which is amazing. Uh, it is currently, today is actually Valentine's Day, February 14th, when we are recording this. Uh, there is set to be one Marvel movie released in 2024, which is Deadpool and Wolverine. Uh, and then uh, there's another Captain America early, actually a year from today, February 14th, 2025 is the release date on that. Uh, there's three other 2025 movies, The Fantastic Four, Thunderbolts, and Blade. So look at that. And then Avengers 5 and Avengers Secret Wars. They have release dates out to 2027 Holy on some of these movies, which is impressive. Uh, I'm on the uh, Wikipedia page for the list of Marvel movies, but uh, I agree with you that Iron Man, the original Iron Man, is is up there for me. Honestly, the first one that came to my mind as far as like the best uh, Marvel MCU movies, uh, I actually was going to go with Infinity War because I I actually I enjoy when movies break from. Oh, the end is happy and lovely, and and we're all fine. Like that movie clearly did not end that way. No, uh, and it, you know, Infinity War and Endgame are basically part one and part two. Uh, but that was that was a great movie. I enjoyed that one. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, Isn't that like where we get like the most used GIF of of. I am inevitable, and doesn't he end with like snapping? Isn't that how that one? No, ends? that's in. Oh uh, well, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh my goodness, Thanos. Um, Thanos does it in that movie. Okay. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Not to spoil anything for our our listeners, but Oops. Tony Stark uh, <laughs> does alert. it in Endgame. Uh, I would put, um, I would put Spider Man No Way Home. You like on one. my list yep. of of favorite mo- favorite Marvel movies, uh, Thor Ragnarok. I thought that movie was pretty great. I really enjoyed Doc the the first Doctor Strange. Uh, unfortunately, the list of Marvel movies that just incredibly sucked uh, is also worth discussing. Yeah, because as great as Thor Ragnarok was, the first two Thor movies both were terrible. Um, I thought that, uh, what was the, oh, uh, Black Panther was also one that I really enjoyed. I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if I mentioned I was that. About to, if, when you were talking no, no, about no. poor movies, I was like, are yeah. you insane? No, no, that no. I had so to mention, good. Bla- I thought the, the first Black Panther movie was great. So good. Um, Captain Marvel, not my favorite. I have not seen the new Marvels movie, like the Marvels. Right. Uh, I've heard it's terrible. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder, also a terrible movie. Basically, Thor Ragnarok was awesome, and the other three Thor movies were Horrible. some of the worst ones. Uh, the other one that was one of the worst Marvel movies I've ever seen was the second Doctor Strange one. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, that was a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I uh, While you were doing this, it's because I was... You, you go. You talk a lot. That makes Boy, sense. I'm, I'm coming at you a lot today. Jeez. Um, I was looking at the kind of box office. Oh my gosh! For these, yeah. Um, I I'm going to Endgame right now, but basically, oh, I should go back. It was like two billion for for Infinity War, which is just, yeah. I mean, 
$2 billion. That's almost as much as you and I make. But uh, <laughs> almost I'm just from the podcast, not talking about our church salaries. <laughs> that's correct. That, that's separate. Avengers Endgame, according to Wikipedia, the most reputable source on this podcast. Well, that's the list I'm on. So. Okay. <laughs> Avengers Endgame grossed 85, 858.4 million in the U.S., 1.94 billion in other territories, you know, for a worldwide total of 2.8 billion dollars. My goodness. It was the highest grossing film of all time until it was surpassed by Avatar. Uh, what? The second one? That doesn't make any sense. Didn't they make a second Avatar? They did, but this this was talking about the 2009 Avatar. That's why Wikipedia is just a sham. Just kidding. But regardless, that's a lot of money. $2.8 billion. I can't even wrap my head around that much money. So, for context... They so that was gross, right? Not net profit. Correct. Yep. But you know, it didn't cost them two billion dollars to produce That's, the movie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Do you want to take a shot at how much Disney paid to acquire Marvel Entertainment? Just start with a B. It does start with a B. Okay, not a T. No. Okay. Um. Not a T or an M. <laughs> Either way, I gathered that much. How much money did Disney pay? To, to per, get rights, to, to they they bought Marvel and they didn't just buy like the rights. They bought Marvel Entertainment, and so with 10 that billion. comes all of the Marvel stuff. Uh four four oh. billion dollars, and they grossed two point eight on Endgame alone. I mean, four what a steal! Four billion dollars. Yeah. What that that is a bargain if I've ever heard of one. Uh, because <laughs> because I can say that as a pastor who makes. According to uh, Business Insider, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has earned more than $29 billion, making it the biggest movie franchise ever. I yes. don't know how I feel about calling it a movie franchise. That that seems like a stretch. I don't really have like, a take on that one. Lord of the Rings is a movie franchise. When you have 33 movies... Oh, I see it, yeah. I don't think you can... I don't, I don't know about calling that a franchise, but either way... Marvel has made them a lot of money, uh, and it was a great business deal. Good for Disney. And you know what? I'm probably still going to see most of the movies they make uh-huh. from here on out. Uh, but anyways, uh, we we wanted to to talk about Marvel because uh, obviously name of the name of the episode we're gonna we're gonna talk about Thor today, uh, and we want to put a disclaimer. On the front end of this episode, and by front end, I mean 10 minutes in. Which is so good are, for us. We are on brand. The foundation of this episode is 100% based in the Bible, and this episode kind of is going to have two halves to it. Uh, the first half is like, this is this is biblically founded. Uh, this like, is what the Bible says. I believe, explicitly. I be- I 100% believe that this is, this is truth. The second half of the episode is going to be a little bit more, not a little bit, it's going to be a fascinating conversation, but it's speculation and theory. All right? It is not anything that I would tell you to preach for sure. This this is largely my own Kyle's theory, and Derek is actually hearing this live for the first time. I was going to say, we can we add another purpose. disclaimer that I have no clue what's about to happen? We did this on purpose just because we thought it'd be fun, uh, but we would. We just want a disclaimer on the front end. 
cautioning everybody to take what we are going to say on the second half of the episode and like base theology on it. Uh, it's a fun conversation. It's lighthearted. It's going to be a blast, but it's not something that is biblically like this is absolute truth. And and we'll let you know, like there will be a very clear shift in the episode. The first half though uh, is very biblically founded. AKA Kyle's trying to keep his job. So he yes. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't have this comes out and, two weeks from now right. and he gets an email <laughs> two weeks and one day from now from our district superintendent saying that I'm out. Yep. Uh, and we do want to give a shout out. Uh, good friend of the show, Joshua uh, wrote in to us, uh, sent an email after he listened to episode 101 which was our episode on David and Goliath. Yep. And we talked about some different myths with that episode. It was a fun one. Uh, or myths with the uh, with the story and, and how it's commonly portrayed versus what actually happened in the Bible. And, and he had a question uh, that kind of sparked this episode that we're going to be talking about today. So I wanted to give uh, give Joshua a shout out. Uh, we appreciate uh, him as a, as a listener to the show. Uh, but... We're going to be camping out in Genesis here, and I want to give a brief synopsis of you know the early part of Genesis. All right, Genesis one and two, creation, mm-hmm. right? A lot of most most people that are listening to the podcast are probably familiar with all this. Uh, Genesis one and two are creation. Genesis three uh, is the fall. Genesis four, poop hits the fan. Genesis five, lots of time happens. <laughs> basically like if you've read genesis 5 it's it's a real meaty there's a lot of good sermons in there no it's the genius genesis 5 is the genealogy from adam to noah and basically genesis 5 is just like hey there's a lot of time passing in between genesis 4 and genesis 6 i just love the fact that you have literal doctors of theology that spend their life work in these five <laughs> chapters and you just summarize them in about 40 seconds creation fall poop hits the fan a lot of time happens like <laughs> pretty much yeah uh so i want to i want to backtrack so that's that's genesis 1 through 5 uh, because we're going to pick this up in Genesis 6. But first, we need to go back to Genesis 3 in the story of the fall. Uh, everybody's familiar with, like, oh, there was a fruit. Uh, don't know that it was an apple. Could have been a mango. Could have been a pomegranate. Could have been a pomegranate. Uh, probably not a dragon fruit. Because if it says she just bit into it, I don't think you can, like, aren't dragon fruits the ones that are kind of pokey? I, I feel like you I don't, don't know. Want to I, do that. I, I try to make a habit of not eating much fruit in my life. So, <laughs> Dude, I don't understand that about you. Fruit is amazing, uh, but anyway, it's not just fruit. It's also vegetables. No, it is all the healthy things. Yeah. Derek does. I think Derek's entire diet is soda and carbs. Hey, easy. Not soda, but carbs for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so Genesis three, you have the fall. You have Adam and Eve disobeying God. And at the second half of Genesis chapter three is God kind of instituting like, hey, here are, I got to talk to you guys for a minute, right? Like we've got to get some uh, consequences to your actions here. And he actually starts with addressing Satan and, and his role that he played in the fall of Adam and Eve. And so... We have in Genesis chapter three, verse 14, uh, it says God is, is talking to Satan. It says you will crawl on your belly. Actually, let me rephrase that. Uh, 
Genesis 13, chapter 3, verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord of God said, the Lord God said this to the serpent. All right, that's actually an important detail uh, that I wasn't planning on going into, but now we will. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. All right, that's one of the things that he says. Now, takeaways from that verse. Number one, it raises the question, did serpents up until that point have legs? <laughs> when God commands at this point that the serpent or the snake will crawl on its belly the rest of its life, does that insinuate that serpents or snakes had legs <laughs> up until that point? I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. I'm not saying they did. I'm just raising the question. All right. Because it's funny. Are you looking up images of snakes with legs? No, I'm looking up blue letter Bible. Cause I want to see what that says. Oh, uh, but that's, that's just, I just threw that in there because why not? Uh, the real takeaway from this is that God is directly talking to Satan here. So clearly Satan is there hearing all of the words that are happening. And you think, well, duh, Kyle, but that's important. All right. Uh, Genesis, the very next verse, Genesis three fifteen. God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike at his heel. And so this is, again, takeaways. This is the first hint that we have in scripture of Jesus and the plan for salvation. But here's the deal. God makes the classic villain movie, movie villain mistake in this moment. And yes, I understand that it's God talking. He's not the villain of the story. But God monologues too long and Satan hears the plan. Now, was like, yes, God knows what he's doing. Like, that's not my point. The point is Satan is basically told straight up God's plan. Satan now knows that God's plan is to use humanity to defeat Satan. All right? Satan hatches a plan in this moment. I'm editorializing a little bit, but you'll see where I'm going. If I can corrupt humanity, then I can prevent God from winning. Right? If God's going to use humanity to crush Satan, Satan thinks if I can corrupt humanity more than I already have, then I can win. All right? Sweet. Yeah, I was just going to say, because like, they're already corrupt. They already, they already sinned. Right. But corrupt more and further drive a wedge. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so you'll you'll see where we're going with this in a minute. Did you find anything with the uh, Blue Letter Bible uh, there? Great friends of the show, by the way, over so at that, Blue Letter that Bible. That resource is actually so insanely 100%. good. 100%. Um, it says, you will be upon thy belly, um, is, is what the original King James sure. says. You know, so same same credence. I, I was just curious to know, like, if what crawl, like what that yeah. word comes yeah. from. And so I, I didn't find a whole lot. So I... Full disclosure, not disproving. I just like I. It's so interesting well, to know. Full disclosure, I'm not proving anything either. <laughs> I, it's, I'm just asking the question because I think it's funny to imagine snakes with legs. I, I, I mean, that's basically lizards. But I also like my mind immediately, like as a as a former chemistry major, so someone who took in excess of science classes at an upper level, both in high school and college. Uh, my my mind immediately goes to like those fossils of these little creatures yeah. with like the t- 
teeny tiny little legs and like them proving like this is evolution because like they just lost their legs over time. When you talked about him crawling, it was kind of just like it, my mind went to that. So, Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's funny to, I mean, I'm just imagining like snakes basically being giant lizards before the fall and then they became snakes after I don't know. It's, it's not relevant. It's not important. I just think it's funny. Uh, okay, we're gonna skip ahead to Genesis chapter six uh, because this is where this is where stuff gets good. So Genesis six one and two, and this is after I did not write this down. Can you look, Derek, and see if you can find how many years Genesis chapter five spans? Yep. Oh, well, you're gonna just let me sit here and spin? Oh my word! Okay, um, Apologetics Press. That feels like a pretty good that feels <laughs> reputable. Okay, uh, did you realize? Okay, Adam, age of the earth when Adam was created is five days. Lived 130 years. Okay, <laughs> scroll to the end. This is like like those when you're trying to find a recipe Recipes online on Pinterest, and they tell they're you their the full worst. life story, and then at the very oh, end they're kind of like, okay, here's the recipe. Oh my gosh. Okay. Noah, age of the earth at birth was 1056 years old. He died at 950. So So if you if you take a literal creationist six-day creationist view of the Bible. Yep. Uh you're looking at Noah being born a thousand years after Adam, yeah. essentially. Yep. Give or take. Yep. All right. So that's that's a lot of time. I'd say. It's a lot of time. And I get so, mad when my Chipotle is running late and uh, right. we got a thousand years. <laughs> a, you know what? I actually, our staff ordered Chipotle yesterday and it was early. So I've, that's never happened. So before. we're not getting Chipotle for lunch today? Probably not. Dang. Uh, that's okay. Raising Cane's is still a thing. Uh, we're going to end up at uh, Jersey uh, Mike's. Cri- I was going to say Crispin Green. No, we are not. <laughs> we don't have the budget for Crispin Green. No. So Genesis 6, 1 and 2, it says, When men began to increase in number on the earth, which a thousand years, plenty of time for humanity to go from two people to, I don't, I don't even know how many, lots. Uh, <laughs> men began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose. All right? Takeaways. First of all, the phrase sons of God is a phrase that's used a few other times throughout the Old Testament. Every time outside of this, it refers to angelic heavenly creatures. And so... Especially when it distinguishes the daughters of humans. Right. And so we... There are some that interpret this as sons of God being like the men and the daughters of man being the women. Mm -hmm. But... Contextually, if you look at the Old Testament as a whole, uh, you know, Job chapter one, verse six, Job two, one, again in Job 38, seven, basically several times in the book of Job, uh, the sons of God is always referred to or is referring to angelic heavenly creatures. And so we have every reason to believe that that is what it is referring to here. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, Jesus says that angels, quote, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So the angelic beings in Genesis 6 cannot be heavenly angels. The only other angels left 
for that to encompass would be the fallen angels, a.k.a. demons. And here is where we get a peek into the plan that Satan first hatches back in Genesis chapter 3. Demons have relations with human women and produce offspring. These offspring eventually take over the earth, and there are no 100% humans left. They all have traces of demonic parentage, at which point it'd be impossible for God to send his son Jesus through a, like a virgin birth through any birth because that person has not only sinned, but now has demonic parentage in their bloodline. Boom. My head hurts. And so Genesis chapter 6, verse 4, refers to these offspring as Nephilim. Okay? Now this is where Noah comes in both literally and figuratively cuz like this is basically in verse 9 is actually where Noah enters the the, the story. Can you also kind of like a nef or you might this is this is the problem that I don't know <laughs> where you're going. You yeah. might you might plan to talk about no, this. No, I am going to in a minute okay. talk about that word nephilim a little bit more. Okay, perfect. Yep. Uh so I believe this is verse 9 of chapter 6. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And if you still have that blue letter Bible tab conveniently opened, uh, if you... Are you, you in the NIV, just so I can... I am in the NIV, okay. yes. Uh, I believe it's the 1984 NIV, if you really want to be specific. <laughs> I, I don't, but um, thanks. <laughs> Uh, shout out uh, after last episode to good friends of the show over at Zondervan for for producing my Bible. I'm more of a Tyndale kind of guy. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. Um, anyways, 6-9 uh, is where we're at. Okay. Uh, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. If you look at uh, the original, I guess it'd be Hebrew here, not mm-hmm. Greek, Uh it is not like like blameless in his time is you know an acceptable way to translate that. Another acceptable way to translate that, maybe a more literal translation, would be pure in his generations. Yeah. Or even more literal, pure in his genetics. Which would make sense, otherwise it'd be like a, a double negative. You know, he's he's a righteous man. Right. Meaning he's chasing after, you know, God, so but a righteous man, blameless, feels like it's kind of a double. And you also, you all, yeah, you you also can't say that he's blameless. He ha, he's a part of a sinful, right. fallen world, right? Uh, and and to say to insinuate from this that Noah never sinned gets into more problems uh-huh. with, with theology than we are comfortable with. Yep. Uh, and so that translation that Noah was pure in his generations or pure in his genetics points to it, it basically it, the other thing again reading scripture within context is sometimes very important sometimes the right sometimes <laughs> like genesis just got done talking about the sons of god corrupting the bloodline of humanity yep so to f- right off the bat describe noah as someone who was not yet corrupted in that makes a ton of sense all right and so god puts Noah and his family on the ark, which they would be the 100% humans that are left. Mm -hmm. 
and then floods the rest of the earth in order to get rid of the Nephilim. All right? Now, the Bible later talks about a group of people post-flood being descendants of the Nephilim. And I want to address that because that can be problematic to what we're talking about here. The word Nephilim basically translates giant. And so the post-flood, quote, descendants of the Nephilim is likely talking about a a group of people, a bloodline, uh, a, a culture almost, where genetically are they are predisposed to being very tall or very big. Uh, you know, this group of people is where you get Goliath from. Like he was a tall person coming from a town of a bunch of tall people. And this is where, you know, the email with good friend of the show, Joshua came into play with episode one one uh, The word, the, the word Nephilim in that sense is referring to giants, but does not necessarily also tie in the demonic parentage side that we got pre-flood. Like genetically, yes, you you see, I mean, you see families where every single family member is like 6'3 and above. Like th- that happens, and if you get a bunch of them together, they're all going to have children that are genetically, you know, going to be taller on average than other people. Uh, have I lost you yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember theologically, but where, where would this descendancy come from? Right? Like if they're, if, if people post flood are descendants of the Nephilim, weren't they eradicated in the flood? So it's calling them descendants of the Nephilim just because they're really tall Okay, so, we're so really tall. It's, it's not it's like latching some... on. It's not talking about that's that's my point that I'm making very poorly. Okay, it's it's not talking about a literal family line of of descendants. It's talking about uh, physical characteristics as far you know. Yeah, a, which makes attribute, sense. Like uh, not attributing, but uh, pointing out the the similarities. Sure. I guess. Yep. That um, makes sense. Okay, so. It it would be like I, I'll I'll use the analogy. It would be like saying uh, somebody who like like a great warrior uh, who who is brilliant in battle, brilliant in strategy, being a descendant of Alexander the Great or Got it. Attila the Hun. Yep, uh, not literal descendant, right. but indicative of the kind of characteristics yes, that, they that's, have. That's that's what it's referring to. This group of people. Okay, as. that makes sense. So everything we said up to this point. Fair game to preach. I wouldn't recommend it. Not because I don't believe it, but because why does this need to be preached from the pulpit? Uh-huh. This is more Wednesday night Bible study stuff. Uh-huh. Or, or from a youth ministry perspective, like you got your group of core students over and they're asking questions and you're just diving into cool Bible stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I never in a million years would I preach this from the youth stage just because this is not... This... this type of biblical teaching is not what the youth stage is meant uh-huh. for. Uh, that being said, from here on out, we're getting into theories. All right. This is where the episode shifts to we're going to talk about some funny stuff. This is where I'm going to get into my really, uh, you know, 
talk really fast. And when, you know, when they have like, if you have a problem with gambling, call 1-800. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a problem addicted to preaching the Bible in weird ways, call 1-800. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is where I give a very quick disclaimer that you cannot be held liable for any of the theories that are about to be 100%. displaced. All right. So I have two theories that I'm going to lay out here. Uh, and if somebody writes a book and I'm going to preface this by saying I have done zero internet research as to whether or not other people have had these theories. I came up with them on my own, but I'm not going to be so ignorant as to say I'm the only one that's ever had this thought. Perfect. Uh, but I think it's interesting. All right. Theory number one, the ancient cultures, the, the gods of ancient cultures were Nephilim. All right. Now let me unpack that. The based on what we just described in Genesis chapter six, the Nephilim were basically half human, half angelic beings. Fallen angelic beings. Fallen angelic beings. Mm-hmm. Thank you. They would have been capable of great things, being as how they are half angelic being. Mm-hmm. The Nephilim died in the flood, but that does not mean that their legends died with them. You had Noah and his whole family get off the ark knowing that these creatures existed. So I wonder if the legends of the Nephilim grew into some of the mythio- the some of the mythology of ancient civilizations. Now, there are aspects of the creation story that are found in other origin beliefs. Like they did a study, somebody did a study of over 200 religious ideologies spanning from Christianity and Islam and, and you know, Buddhism all the way to random Bush tribe in the Amazon. Sure. 95% of those, which doing math would be 190 of the 200 religious ideologies have a flood narrative. I personally believe that that does not happen unless a flood actually took place. Yeah. All right. And there's some, uh, geological evidence to support that. No question. Yep. And so I think that that makes sense if the flood actually happened. And it makes sense if all of these world civilizations eventually trace back to the same group of people that survived said flood. I.e. Noah and his family. I.e. Noah and his family. If you look at the stories of the Nephilim, or, or well, I mean, what we're imagining, the stories of the Nephilim, it looks different across many religious systems, but if you look at it through the lens of the Bible, I think you can actually see where they're coming from. Like many ancient belief systems had a multitude of gods. Like the Greeks had 12 major gods and then some other gods below that. The Romans had 67 major, like, like main gods. The Egyptians had over 2,000 gods. And then many of them also had stories of demigods or or gods and humans mating with each other like the in the Greek ancient Greek mythology Achilles would be a well-known uh demigod in the Roman theology or Roman uh, mythology Hercules would be an example there um I understand that in north in Norse mythology Thor is not technically a demigod all right and so 
you know, to get all the way to this point in the episode and for me to say that, you know, Thor is not technically a demigod, if you want to put it in the strict sense of Nephilim, probably not. Uh, but I be- like you're splitting hairs at this point when you're talking about weird mythologies of ancient religions. If they are, you know, going back to the legends of the Nephilim, I think that we are splitting hairs as to say that like Thor was technically not a product of half God, half human. So he couldn't have been one of the ancient Nephilim. And do I think that the dude's name was actually Thor? Probably not. But my point in all the also real quick, Hawaiian mythology, Maui would be another one. Shout out to Moana. Uh, Moana. Um, <laughs> but my point in bringing and all like Hindu, Celtic, different African mythologies all have these ideas in them. And my point in bringing all of this up is that these stories, the legends of what the Nephilim were probably capable of, passed on through generations after generations after generations, diving it, like splitting off into all of these different civilizations, especially when you get into, um, why am I blanking? Genesis 11, um, Tower of Babel. <laughs> you were right there. <clears throat> I was. Me. You were right there to to correct me on that or jump in with that. So I appreciate it. You get into this idea that they were capable of great things, and and they were the legends of them were passed down through all these generations. You can see where ancient mythologies worshiping someone like Thor or someone like Zeus, the stories, if you, if you squint your eyes a little bit, you can trace them back potentially to, you know, every, every lie is rooted in a kernel of truth. Every mythology is rooted in a kernel of the Bible Mm -hmm. is almost where you can, where you can take it. Um, Derek, you are, you are strongly researching something over here, and I'm a little bit scared that you're going to come up with something that just totally disproves no, this whole thing. No, so um, I read a book last year now called God Has a Name by John Mark Comer. Okay. Uh, and the whole premise of the book is he, what he essentially does is he looks at Exodus chapter 34, uh, which says, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness. He goes on and on and on and on and on. And throughout the whole book, he talks about how that that sentiment is actually laced all throughout Scripture, talking about the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there is there's something in within this chapter that like kind of it stuck out to me because it kind of it kind of made me question my theology of these gods if you will okay so you know when i when i look at what what's one of the most common false gods in new testament or, or, or old testament too i guess like baal yeah you know baal if you want to go with the hebrew but that you see that over and over again and i always preach it as like that's a false god because it is false it's not the god but what he kind of what john mark comer proposed is that these gods that we're going to call them they weren't a complete sham like there probably was some power to them because 
they and and I don't want to try and re because I, I can't remember exactly how, but he basically John Mark Comer went to scripture and said, "Look, I'm not saying that these gods are true, but what I am saying is like they're also just not some. Let's take a golden calf and make this a god. Like there there is some." spiritual activity behind these gods now they're not true they're not they're not triumphant over who god is yahweh but you you reminded me of all these different things because they had all these major gods or these demigods and um you know we know that yahweh is supreme that he is the one and only true god but it it kind of just i've been thinking a lot about as you've been talking about nephilim because just because they're not true gods doesn't mean they're just human contraptions. No, you know? that's that's brilliant because if you if you think about, you know, if it's it's very dangerous to like try to dive into the mind of Satan. I wouldn't recommend it. No. But hypothetically, if you were to do that, if you know, if Derek and his family are living in Old Testament times and they start worshiping, you know, some random god, it like there is a limit to what demons and what Satan are capable of because they are not the God of the universe, but there is an element of things that they can do. And if I can do just enough to make you think that this false God is worth worshiping, I'm going to do that because it's going to steer you away from the one true God. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think part of this comes into is giving a little bit of legitimacy on, on if in Satan's mind, if I can just give a small bit of legitimacy to these, these humans are going to take it and run with it. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, the other thing that probably should have been mentioned by me earlier at the end of uh, chapter six of Genesis verse four is a long verse, but at the end of it, it's talking in reference to the Nephilim. It says they were the heroes of old men of renown. So again, even in the Bible, you have a testament of like these, I I mentioned earlier that the Nephilim were capable of great things. Mm -hmm. That would be the biblical evidence as to why. So to bring this thing full circle, I feel as if this is what gives the, if, if Goliath was allegedly tied to Nephilim, that would explain why he was so freakishly tall probably also explain why he was a super freak human strong you know which would probably which would probably be why these hebrew men were shaking in their boots it's possible even without even if goliath was like we we posited in that episode six five six six Mm -hmm. six nine Mm -hmm. you know in that rate like if he if he was six foot nine first of all much taller than pretty much every other Israelite. Yep. Uh, if he was, you know, it, I mean, his armor was incredibly heavy. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're six, nine and, and you're, you know, working out every day, you're built to be a warrior and trained to be a warrior. You're going to be very strong mm-hmm. anyway. But if he's six, nine and very strong and you know, you're kind of throwing out there that word Nephilim, People are going to, again, their imagination is going to take it and run yeah. with it. Like, oh my gosh, he is one of these demigods, essentially, yeah. that that is still around. I thought that God got rid of them all in the flood. Oh no, we're screwed. We don't want to fight him. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, but that's where I, I wonder 
if you can trace some of those ancient mythologies back to Genesis chapter 6. It's also just, uh, this whole concept is fascinating because I think wisely I've always cautioned away from all of this Greek mythology crap because it, it... it's demonic. It's dark, right. right? Like, like you do not want to mess around with this stuff. It's why I, I caution people to be so careful because you, you just, you don't mess around with this stuff. You just don't. But what I think is super interesting is when Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi in the New Testament, it was rich with these kind of gods. Like, mm-hmm. like the Greek gods were on full display. The Roman gods were on full display. Like there was a lot. And I think what he's, this is where he has the infamous, who do you say that I am? You know, because yep. he's, he knows that the Hebrew men would be aware of all of these different gods, right? They'd have, no, whether they worship them or not remains to be seen. But it's one of those things. It's like, Cal, you and I don't worship the God of Islam, but we know it's there. We, we, we know that like, we know like that is the object of worship for a Muslim person, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like this is the same way in the new Testament is the Hebrew men following Jesus. They were aware of these other gods that you're talking about. Achilles, Hercules, these other Roman deities. They probably didn't know about Maui, but no, that's, right. that's different. Yeah. But yes, you know, you're but, right. Like, you're absolutely right. He, they were aware of this and that's where Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Yep. Like, like who, and essentially, are you going to worship me? Are you mm-hmm. going to worship me being, being the God of the universe? And it's, it's so interesting to kind of have that backdrop, um, even in this sense too, because this is scary stuff, like full disclosure. This is, this is scary stuff that you don't want to mess around with. But I think it just, it really, it points to the fact that he is the one true God. Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. He is the God of gods. And and that's where John Mark Homer went. Is yeah. he said the God, capital G, of gods. You know, like he is bigger than mm-hmm. any other mm-hmm. spiritual being. So yeah. um, side note, two good friends of the show. You've mentioned Mark Com- Mark John Mark Homer. Yep. Um uh Carrie Newhoff. Has yep. a podcast, fantastic listen. Mm-hmm. He had John Mark Comer on uh, like a couple Two months legends. ago. Uh, one of the greatest podcast episodes I've ever listened to, obviously outside of our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, like <laughs> if you made a list of the top 106 episodes of podcasts that are on the internet, um, our 105 episodes and that episode of Carrie Newhouse podcast Good would know. be in the top 106. You know, the order of all of them can, you know, be hotly debated. But yeah. anyways. Good call. So that's theory number one. Derek, what do we like? Uh, hot off the press. Can you, can you just what recap what theory so one is? Basically, we talked about a lot yeah, of stuff. Basically, theory number one is that the ancient gods... The, or the the mythological gods of ancient civilizations, such as Zeus, Thor, Achilles, Hercules, Maui, they are they they trace their roots back to the Nephilim, and and basically the what the Nephilim were, those legends created those mythological gods. Yeah. So that's theory number one. I I mean I could see it. I could right. definitely see and, it. And we're not here to say like, yep, that's true. Right, we're no, here to I, say I, I, that I, theory could check out. I could see it for sure. All right, now have you scrolled down to see theory number two yet? Uh, 
Yes. And I'm just going to sit back and listen for this one because I can't wait to see where you're going to take this. Okay. So we established that the Nephilim were capable of great things. Theory number two, the Nephilim built the pyramids. <laughs> All right. Stay with me. Um, I'm, I'm going to disprove this right now. Yeah. Because the pyramids were actually shrunk by Gru <laughs> and, then, and then stolen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the aliens. But... No. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about Gru. How could I do that? I my that's poor research <laughs> on my part. That's my bad. If you're wondering who Gru is, go watch uh, Despicable Me and can come back yes. <laughs> and resume this podcast. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, theory number two, I will say it is first built on the back of one assumption that Despicable Me is a fictional animated <laughs> movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if it's but, not, we need minions because those suckers are right. indestructible. <laughs> uh, okay, so theory two, the Nephilim built the pyramids. Now, the pyramids, archaeologists, historians, they will widely put the period that the pyramids were built in. And I'm talking now, I want to... You know what? Before we get into this, I need to preface some things because... <laughs> There are pyramids all over, all right? Most people don't realize Sudan has more pyramids than Egypt. Interesting. Uh, there was a period after the Egyptian culture kind of fell off that the Sudanese kings came in and like basically it had the exact same culture. They just uh, kind of overtook uh, you know, Egypt from that standpoint. What are you doing? You said pyramid all over the place. You're building a pyramid. I'm proving that. It. I'm proving that very fact. This I is, love it. This is our GoPro pyramid. See if you can get this to stand on top of there. Uh, <laughs> no, it didn't. Work, it I'll didn't. Work, but I'll work on it's it. Possible. Keep saying uh, your theory. There it is. So there were pyramids all over. I'm specifically going to talk about the Great Pyramids of Giza because those pyramids are the ones that we look at from an architectural standpoint and think, how in the world did they do that? Yeah. Like, we still don't... We have theories we still don't know. And so, like, they're, like the Sudanese pyramids are much smaller. Like, sure. much smaller. Uh, and there's other pyramids all over the world that are much smaller. The pyramids of Giza are by far the biggest pyramids that are out there. The Great Pyramid, which is the big one, consists of an estimated 2.3 million blocks, approximately 5.5 million tons of limestone, 8,000 tons of granite, and 500,000 tons of mortar, which that's probably a heavy structure underneath that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, if we look at, I was looking at uh, another Wikipedia page. It's, it is it is crazy. Like there we go. So the tallest pyramids, the Great Pyramid of Giza is four hundred and fifty four feet tall. The uh, other pyramid in Giza is the Pyramid of Khafre, whose pronunciation I'm surely butchering. Uh, 448 feet tall. That's only a difference of six feet. Uh, the next tallest pyramid is down at 387. Oof. It was built in Indonesia and like 1,500 years later. 
or two thousand years years later, depending Copycats. on depending on the uh, the dating. There's some other Egypt pyramids in Cairo that are three hundred forty four feet. There's actually an Egypt in uh, or a pyramid in Egypt that uh, partially collapsed, which I thought was interesting. The Pyramid of Meidum. Again, I'm butchering. Uh, but anyways, so there's pyramids all over the world, but not nearly as tall as the pyramids of Giza. And we kind of see how they can construct some of these other ones. The pyramids of Giza are just weird. Have you, have you been there? I have not, but I'd love to. Uh, the pyramids of Giza are widely believed to have been constructed between the years 3000 and 2000 B.C., most would put the builds specifically between 2550 BC and 2490 BC. Uh, you could go back as far as maybe like 2600 BC, but uh, it's it's very difficult. It's difficult to get an accurate view, but basically 2600 BC up to 2490 BC. So that's about a hundred year period. Which I'm sure you're gonna get to this. I am gonna get to this. Okay. Yes. If you so so, we're just gonna pick a date in the middle. You know what? We will use our good friends at the show, Wikipedia. Constructed in 2570. 2570. The, uh, great- the, the Great Pyramid of Giza. So we'll use 2570. Sure, that's on the early side of that window, yep. but within that 100 year time frame. If it was constructed 2570. If you take a literal creationist view of the Bible, actually, I guess at this point it doesn't matter your creation time frame view mm-hmm. of the Bible, mm-hmm. but if you look at the years in the Bible and, and just do the math backwards and, and treat it as literal years, the flood would be about 2348 B.C., which means that would put the building of the pyramids directly in line with Noah's life and the biblical existence of the Nephilim. All of this is happening at the same time in history. Okay? We know the Nephilim were giants. We know that they were capable of great things, probably most definitely stronger than normal people. Maybe the Nephilim built the pyramids. I, I don't how, have, how about I, them apples? I don't have words, which for me is, is rare. Like and if you want, if you want me to add just another little fun sure. cherry on top, another unexplainable physical structure that was built, historians believe, right in the exact same time period, Stonehenge. Maybe the Nephilim not only gave us the pyramids, but Stonehenge as well. I <laughs> they got around. <laughs> that's true, <laughs> true. That's uh, geographically not in the same yeah. uh, spots, but uh, you know certainly doable, especially for uh, individuals of demonic parentage. Here's why this stuff is interesting: is we don't know. No. And, and, and we not ne- a clue. We, and we never will. And I think that's that's what makes this so interesting is that like it just it makes your brain think about could it have happened? Certainly. If if our listeners did not have tinfoil hats on at the beginning of the episode, 
They most certainly do now. <laughs> like, I I, we understand, all right? Don't listen to this episode and think these guys are idiots. We understand that we these, are. The, well, we understand we are idiots, but these are fun theories. We are not saying that we like full heartedly believe these things. No. With 100% truth, we will preach them from the pulpit. That will for sure will not that happen. That for sure won't happen. I'm not preaching that the Nephilim built the pyramids. I mean, if you really want, I mean, A, A equals B, B equals C, therefore A equals C, right? Thor built the pyramids. There we are. Uh, but, <laughs> but And then Robert Downey Jr. came and tore it down when he was chasing Thanos through absolutely, the world. Absolutely, yeah. yes. I, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, you can look at, okay, it these things were all historically being put in roughly the same time period. yep. yep. Uh, I don't have the date for the exact date or, or time frame for Stonehenge being built, but that one, I remember looking it up, and that one was uh, in that same time window. Uh, it's it's one of those things that I I believe that 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 all of the religions that we have, all of the different belief systems, like the ones that go back a ways, I believe that they're all connected at some point. And and the basis of that if you look at Christianity, Judaism and Islam, right? If you look at Christianity and Judaism, they're the same exact religion for the, for the entire Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Islam and Christianity and Judaism all essentially begin the same way and they diverge at Abraham. You know, Islam takes the route of um oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Muhammad? No. Uh, <laughs> like, that feels too obvious for you to miss that oh one. Oh my goodness. What is his name? This be, is embarrassing. I'm honest. I was looking at uh, some Stonehenge stats when you were going into this, so I have no idea where you are. <laughs> That's awesome. I flipped too far in my Bible. Uh, Abraham uh, has Ishmael. There it is. There it is. He has, he has the son with Hagar, Ishmael, uh, and then he has the other son, uh, Isaac. And Islam would they they trace their religious parentage through is through Ishmael mm -hmm. back to Abraham, mm -hmm. whereas Christianity and Judaism trace their religious parentage through Isaac back to Abraham. I think that a lot of other ancient religions all are more interconnected than we think, and it's it's just like we have we believe that that. God is is the one true God mm -hmm. and and Jesus and all of this and you can see where other religions maybe were right up until a certain point and then things kind of fell off the wagon. I mean, we would look at Judaism as being right all the way up until Jesus and then that's where, you know, we we differ yeah. and and they didn't quite uh grasp but what we still hope they do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's uh I don't know. I just I, I this is where all of a sudden when you, when you look at it through this lens, it makes Jesus's temptations in the wilderness that much more intense. Mm. You know, cuz like not that Satan had power, but like he was in the wilderness which for a lot of us I would say Satan did have power. 
Right. It's it's not comparable no. to God's power, to, to the power Jesus had. But, but look, look at Job. It is still an element of power. Absolutely. Look, look at, Job, at Job. You yeah. know, like he, he messed around with him. And I think that's where all of a sudden this temptation in the desert is all the more intense. Because it's one thing if you make a promise that is so far-fetched. If you were to tell me, hey, Derek, like if you... If you do something, I'll give you a million dollars right now. It's easy to say no because I know for a fact you're not giving me a million dollars. Fair. You know, but like when when Satan has power and he takes him up to the top of the mountain and says, jump off, mm-hmm. you know, or bow down to me and worship me and I'll give you all of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was fully God, but he was also fully man. Mm-hmm. And that temptation's all the more intense. And I think that's where like... You can even take this into spiritual warfare too. Like spiritual warfare is not just, you know, eh, like there's real spiritual warfare in today's, like today's religions. Like if you, if you, if you jump on an airplane, you don't even have to go on an airplane, but if you go into some of these other religions, yes, the roots get traced back, but just the smallest twist from the fallen angels can make this thing go in such a direction that it just, it it plagues you. And I think it just, I don't know about you, but just hearing all of this and looking at all this just, just makes my heart break all the more for the lost and not just the lost that I feel like when we think of the lost, you know, Western culture, we think of people who don't go to church and people who are far from God. But like, we have to understand that a lot, the loss also extends to the Hindu who is faithful to his religion or her religion across the world. And like they're lost in a religion that is very, very plagued by fallen angels, you know? And like, it, it just, it, it's, it makes me aware that we just need to truly intercede for the lost and not just those that don't go to church, but those that are entrapped in some of these religions that are very, very oppressive and uh, frankly, demonic by the literal definition of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, the The power is there on, on the other side of the battle. Yeah. Uh, we've got a... And I think, I think that's where all of a sudden now the hope of Jesus comes true because I think some people live in fear of that, right? Like we're... Oh, my gosh. And it, it, it is real. You can't be ignorant to it, but it's it's why I am the God of gods. I am the Alpha and the Omega. It's... We don't need to live in fear of spiritual warfare. We need to live in victory of it, knowing that we have Jesus. And that's exactly why we need to intercede on behalf of those that are not. Because Satan may have power, but we know how it ends, and we know he, he loses, and we know that in the middle of it, we can cling to the Lord of Lords, and he is He is able to bring us through it. Yeah, so that's... Uh, how about them apples? I I'm I don't even know how to end this, so I'm gonna defer to you because that that's a lot of information. If if you're if you're tuning into this for the first time, you go, man, these guys know what they like. They know a lot of stuff. Just go back to the under 104 episodes, and you'll understand. <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll sound about about right when it's in context. Uh, but that's uh, that does it for for this episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. It's it's been fun. Uh, and, and we hope that you took it that way as well. Uh, and if there's an episode that comes out a few weeks from now, uh, retracting all of this, let, let us know what you think of this episode. And if there's an episode that comes out retracting all of this, it's because 
you know, somebody sent one email with one very simple thing that proved the whole thing wrong. And that's fine. Uh, we're not building on this. We just think it's funny to talk about. Um, but uh, on that note, Derek, I'm looking at uh, my research showing that the world record for the longest movie marathon is 121 hours and 18 minutes. We've talked I'm, about this before. And I'm showing the total runtime of all the Marvel movies at just about 130 hours between the movies and the TV shows. If that's right, I think it's about time that you and I go break a world record. Goodbye. Goodbye.